Good morning. I'm so excited to speak with you today because when I was preparing this, it was such a comfort and a blessing to me that I'm just hoping that it will be to you today. I really enjoyed Jay's sermon last week. I was at Southern Adventist University with Jeff. We were speaking at their mental health week on grieving and loss. But I got to watch a little of it then and then the whole thing this week. It was so good, wasn't it? I really liked his authenticity and the wisdom that he offered, and I appreciated how he gave us a challenge. He gave us a challenge and grace if we weren't able to meet it. And that challenge was to be ready for communion with God in a special way next week. It's day 35 of the challenge. Next Sabbath will be day 42. It's a day 40 challenge, so you get two extra days. Woohoo! Yeah, it's good. What are you going to do with them, those two extra days? I also really appreciated the stories and the pictures about the young women who climbed the 14er, and that we didn't just get the picture of them smiling. I don't know, that's even worse. Of them smiling. What do you think, Jeff? Is that sound funny? We don't know. At the top of the 14er, like victoriously, I think if they ever come with those, those selfies of truth that they gave us, the little snippets of truth and that they got there, I think we should give them a high achievement award. At least, you know, at least dry pants and some decent Indian food. I think that would be at least, yeah. So, I was inspired to give you a couple selfies of my own. 2017 to 2018, I fought hard against breast cancer. And I had some selfies and some pictures during that time. And I'm always smiling because I had a lot to be thankful for. My family gathered around me, my church, my university community, my friends. I was so aware that I was sick in a clean bed, um, in a beautiful house. And so if you see me, I'm, I'm in chemo there, I'm with Jeff, I have no hair, but I'm smiling because I'm so aware of how grateful I am. But one day I thought, I'm so sick right now and I'm just gonna take a selfie of how it feels so I can remember and so the next one is a reality selfie because that's how it felt. Last time I spoke, we talked about three biblical stories, the stories of Shira, Rizpah, and Absalom and how they handled their grief. And uh, Shira's my favorite. And kids, I love to tell stories and I loved how well that Bexley did with that backpack on. I thought that was amazing. Even when she ran there and back. Good job, Bexley. Someday I will get to tell the children's story. But today I'm going to tell a story from my family. And um, the reason I'm gonna do this is we look at Jesus and we, we look at a very human story is that we live our lives in stories. We understand our lives and stories. And we need our stories witnessed. And we need to witness other people's stories. So we're talking about the journey today, life's journey. 
And as the writer of Hebrews says, the race set before us. We're going to be exploring weight and lightness, the things that weigh us down and the things that possibly could help us travel light. So I want you to consider what's in your pack, what's burdening you, what's encouraging you, what's in the pack you're carrying on this journey, and is it heavy? I can't believe it's already September, because somewhere in 2020, I lost two months, and I haven't been able to get them back. So in my mind, July, it's July, but it's September, and soon it'll be Thanksgiving, and I'm so excited about Thanksgiving, because the whole family will be there. Except my dad, who if you're listening, dad, this is no pressure, but I would really like it if you could come. The thing, the reason that he may not is because he got so sick last time he was here because of the altitude. So I understand, no pressure, I'm just mentioning how nice it would be. Uh, my mom will be here. This is my mom of 50 plus years. She has seen me through a lot and um, she taught me to be honest, to be a person of integrity. She taught me not to take guff off guys. She taught me to respect my elders, and she always made me feel like I could do anything. And so this is my mom, the next slide. It, hard times, people, hard times in our family. The horses ran away, we were uh, not really, but my dad was a professional photographer, and we always had interesting pictures. That's me up on top, and that's my, my beautiful mama pretending to carry the whole wagon. Um, before the age of five, I had another mom. And this mom gave me birth, and uh, she had a beautiful voice. She was teaching me different things, although also the same, to love Jesus, to play the piano. Um, a little tiny bit of French, enough to give me a little feel like I wanted to learn it. And you may, have, may remember that when I was almost four, she was killed in a car accident. And you can see in the next slide um, her memorial in one of the magazines. Um, I was in the accident. I remember it well. And my life changed in an instant. I all of a sudden was a little girl without a mom, which feels weird. And if you can just remember, maybe your mom ever took you to story time, or maybe your mom now takes you to story time. And you go to the library and there's the reading lady and she has like a cool rug to sit on. And I remember taking Arielle once and she had a little bit of a cold. So I put Kleenex, she had a really cute dress on with a little pocket, I put Kleenex in it. And um, well, just one, you know, just in case. And she would go up there and she would sing the songs and sit, but every once in a while she would turn around and look, was I still there? And there was that little connection. And this is how it felt. All of a sudden, I'm at story time, and I look back, and there's nobody there. There's nobody there that's got her eye just on me. And that was tough. And that was a little lonely. It was confusing, and it was horribly sad for both my dad and me. And I'm so grateful for, I, for my mom. Mom Diane, now she taught me to be respectful so I would never say Mom Diane in front of her, it's just to differentiate, just that's not how you do it. But we were sad, 
And uh, grief is heavy, it weighs you down. And it started to weigh differently on different people in my mom's side of the family. And it started to topple them. People grieve in different ways. And uh, if you go to the next slide, you will see my beautiful grandma and my handsome grandpa. He was a pastor, and she was, she took um, literature and history, and she played the piano. And um, as often happens, men and women grieve differently. And this is a generalization that is held true. Women need to talk it out. They want to talk it out. And men need to go off by themselves and work it out. And that doesn't always go well. So my mom talked, and my grandpa hid. He had a little plane. He would fly his plane and took comfort in that, and eventually took comfort in his secretary. And my Aunt Myrna, who was taking psychology, was very intuitive. And she wrote a dad a letter, Dad, we're just reeling from the death of Marvel. Please don't do this. And he read the letter and he said, this isn't true, don't you ever say this again or I will cut you off. But it was true. And it became very apparent. And as he left the family and the ministry to live with his former secretary, my grandma lost not only her daughter, but her husband, and the grief was heavy. And my Aunt Myrna, when her dad said, I will cut you off, was set adrift. And her journey went a different way for a long time with my very talented Uncle Bob, who was an orchestra conductor and a composer. And they left the church for a long time I don't know about the other two kids. They were so young. I know that they were weighed down with the grief. I don't know specifically how. But there was my grandma who lost her daughter and her husband and another one leaving the church. And not, uh, it, it was too soon, not right away, but not that long later, about 15, 18 years, she lost her son. So on the next slide, you can see my Uncle Daryl. Top Gun Maverick is back. And that's my Uncle Daryl. And that's a training plane behind him. He flew F-15 Eagles. And he was very good at it. I just read an article. He did something historic. He flew and he met um, in the air a Russian fighter pilot and they did the first communication by radio. And I read that in an article that was his memorial because he was a really good pilot and he was intuitive and they were having trouble with one of the planes. They sent him up to fly it and he crashed into a mountain in Alaska. So my aunt, I mean my grandma had five kids this was the youngest. Marvel's gone. Well, actually, Daryl's the youngest. So Marvel's gone. Daryl's gone. We have three left. This one, let's see, that's Pam, Myrna, Carol, Myrna. So this one has left the church. This is not like this kind of a signal here. Um, 
This one is still here, but I really think it's that, but I'm not doing it. This one is um, attracted to a young man who's a conference president's son, safe, right? And they go off into drugs and alcohol for decades. And then there's this one left. I wondered when my Grandma Carol lost her son in an airplane crash in the Air Force if it made her think of her only brother who was also a fighter pilot in World War II and was killed in a plane crash. My dad would say this about my grandmother. Your grandmother travels so lightly through life for all the baggage she could be carrying. And it was true. And I wonder about you. I'm sure each of you could be carrying a lot of baggage. How's your pack? Is it heavy? How much longer can you shoulder it? In my grief class, I ask my students sometimes to imagine their heart is a box. What does your heart feel like? What would be in your box if you drew or described your box? I have explicit permission for my students to share some of these. So this one said overthinking, guilt, paranoia, OCD, anxiety, program rejection because she didn't get into the one she was hoping to get into, and depression. And this is what she wrote about it. I try to fit these physiological or emotional concerns inside the box, but they'd slip out, causing me to suffer. Another difficulty I faced recently was rejection. I'd never encountered rejection before when applying to be a radiological technologist, which made me want to give up entirely. I put my grief in the box so that I may move on with my life and not give up because I wanted to be someone in the future. Go ahead to the next slide. This is another of my students. One box wouldn't be enough, and if you knew her story, this is really accurate. I have my own version of the box metaphor because hers doesn't quite cover how I work, but that's okay because everyone works a little different, right? So my box situation illustration doesn't quite look like the one she described. Here is the closest depiction of what my box situation looks like. Does that look heavy? That's the young woman and that's what she's carrying. Every now and again, one of these boxes tips over and everything pours out everywhere. I deal with it and recycle the box. This young student wanted me to tell you that through my class and Jesus, it doesn't look like this anymore. It's still a lot, but it doesn't look like that. Okay, let's go to the next one. Here's a verbal description. And as I'm reading these and as you're looking at them, I'm asking you what would be in your box? I feel like my box is messy. I have tucked so many things into mine since childhood and even got really great at ignoring my box and pretending like it wasn't bursting at the seams and oozing all my grief into all areas of my life. It wasn't until recently that I had the courage to look at my box and realize that if I kept going this way, I would knowingly and intentionally be hurting myself. Since I have realized this, I've opened my box and I'm working on each piece of grief I have stuck in there. It's been a lot of work. 
but my box looks so much better than when I first started, and I'm excited for the day when I can say that it's empty. They weren't all negative, just most of them. One of them said her box, as she described it, would be a colander, and they were hard things, but she let them go through, and what remained was yummy pasta that were memories of the things that were good. Let's go to the next slide. Thank you so much. So there's your journey, and you're headed down, and a lot of you are going to live a long life. What are you going to carry? What's in your box? What's in your pack? Is there anything you need to let go of? Now, dearly beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, do not think that I am saying it's easy to let go of things. I know that it's not by experience. In your box can be bitterness because something unfair has happened to you and you may still be living with it. It can be unforgiveness, and maybe that's a lifelong thing, or maybe it's something in your past that was so hard that you can't imagine how to do it. Maybe you're mad at God, and he's hard to forgive. Maybe it's a disappointment because your life didn't turn out anything like you were thinking. Maybe it's the weight of grief, anxiety, You might need to share it with a friend because as we're on the journey, we have people along the way that are with us and that travel together with us. And we talked about life is a story that needs to be told. We need to tell our stories and it lightens our burden to share with safe people. We need to share our stories and we need to listen to other people's stories and be a witness to those stories because it lightens our load. What do you need Jesus to carry for you? Your sins? Fear? What do you need him to take? I really would invite you to consider these things that hinder you and weigh you down as I speak. Because the weight of these burdens could dare you. It could take you to the ground. I've been there, have you? It could turn you completely around, away from your calling, a whole different path than the one that would bless you and others and bring glory to God. But Jesus has made us a great offer. He has offered to journey with us, to shoulder our pack. This is a great offer and to make it easy. So will you read his invitation aloud with me? Maybe you know it by heart. Maybe you know it in a different version. This is Jesus, read it aloud, it's his invitation. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's been a couple years since we have used oxen as the main engines that we use to get our work done and maybe forgot or didn't know what a yoke was. That's a yoke, it's not the yellow thing in the middle of the egg. It 
put those two great engines together. Like one ox was awesome to have, but two, super, super amazing to hoe your row and to make that place where you could actually plant something to live on. So that keeps them together in step. Will you go to the next slide? I want you to read this over quietly for a second. What sounds good to you? I will give you a rest. Does soul rest sound good to anybody? What else? Give me two other. What else stands out to you? I love that you were brave enough to call it out. I need two other people to be courageous today. And gentle. Really, Jesus is gentle? Then maybe, maybe I should be too. I love that Jesus is gentle. What else? Come, come to me, not to Netflix, not to, come to me, because that's where peace, you know, in the Old Testament, you hear God say his frustration that they're going to other gods because he's actually the only real God and he's the only one that can help. And Jesus is saying, come to me because I'm the only one that can help. I want to help and you need my help. I have a favorite chapter in the Desire of Ages. It's called The Invitation. It's only four pages and it's falling out and I have underlined everything but about eight words. And I, I want to share it with you. And I know we don't read long passages very much anymore, but can you try to tune in because you'll be so blessed. Here's the next slide. Whether they know it or not, all are weary and heavy laden. All are weighed down with burdens that only Christ can remove. The heaviest burden we bear is the burden of sin. If we were left to carry this burden, it would crush us. But the sinless one has taken our place. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He has borne the burden of our guilt. He will take the load from our weary shoulders. He will give us rest. The burden of care and sorrow, worry, fear, anxiety, he will also bear. He invites us to cast all our care upon him. For he carries us on his heart. Let's go to the next slide. The elder brother of our race. He's your big brother. And he's strong and he's gentle and he carries us on his heart. Is by the eternal throne. He looks on every soul who is turning his face toward him as savior. He knows by experience what are the weaknesses of humanity because he came and he was. What are our wants? And where lies the strength of our temptations? For he was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Will you do the next slide? I love this. This is my favorite part. He is watching over you, trembling child of God. Are you tempted? He will deliver. Are you weak? He will strengthen. Are you ignorant? I have felt this way, especially in school sometimes. He will enlighten. 
Are you wounded? He will heal. The Lord tells the number of the stars, and yet he heals the broken in heart and binds up their wounds. Come unto me, that's the next slide, is his invitation. Whatever your anxieties and trials, spread out your case before the Lord. This is me talking to Jeff on the way home, and this happened, and this happened, and I think she thought that, and I got all this done, and did, 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 did. I'm spreading it out, and he listens patiently. So does Jesus. Tell it all, spread it out. Whatever, yeah, 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 where am I? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love this part. Your spirit will be braced for endurance in this right here. The way will be open for you to disentangle yourself from embarrassment and difficulty. Did you know Jesus cared about your embarrassment? I'm very glad to know this because there are many times I've needed him to disentangle me from embarrassment and certainly difficulty. This is really, really helpful here too. The weaker and more helpless you know yourself to be, the stronger you will become in his strength. The heavier bird, the burdens, the more blessed the rest in casting them upon the burden bearer. I want to show you a picture of oxen again. So what they would do is they would yoke a more experienced, stronger oxen with a less experienced, weaker oxen. Look at that picture for a second. Which one is Jesus? And which one is you? And who's bearing the most weight? As my grandma Mitchell would say, we all have a road to hoe. We all have work to do, our jobs and our callings. We're going to be working. But how good it is to know that Jesus will actually carry the worry and the burden of it. And all we have to do is do the work. And we're yoked to him, so he's right beside us. It kind of gives you this feeling like, I think it might be okay. We've been given gifts, and we are called to serve like Jesus did. Before he was crucified, Jesus asked God the Father, is there, is there any way we could get this done without what I think is in front of me. Maybe there is a ram in the thicket because this looks really hard. And God said, no, you're the lamb. And Jesus, having a, a real good feel of the emotional, physical, spiritual, psychological, and um, did I say physical? Every kind of ickle there is, he was going to experience the worst of it. And he said, okay, okay, not my will, but yours be done. And so like Jesus, we're called to submit our wills to his because it's always best. And we're called on to obey. That's kind of become an unpopular word. First of all, our culture has perverted sexually every single word you can think of. And we not even go into that. And also, so many people didn't have good moms 
and they didn't have good dads to, to obey doesn't sound good, but you have a good father. And obeying means being kept safe from things you don't have to go through. And obeying means so many good things for you and others. Think about a child who's really disobedient and how pleasant they are to be around. God said he would write his law on our hearts, that the Holy Spirit would live inside us, and that we could be motivated by love and everything we do or say, just like Jesus. Let's go to the next slide. We are called to be co-workers, colleagues with Jesus, because when you have been forgiven and when you have really experienced grace and when your burden is constantly being carried and you're walking around light, you're grateful and you want to know what you can do to help the person that has done all that for you. And what do you get to do with him? You get to say, hey, you don't have to be anxious. You don't have to worry. You don't have to carry regret. You can forgive and you get to work with him to help reconcile people to God. It's a good thing to be able to do these things like Jesus did. When the journey's about us, let's, let's go back for a second. I don't want people to read that yet because if I were out there, I'd want to be reading it. So let's just be here for a second. When the journey is about us and not Jesus, there's a weight because we're worried. We're worried about what people think about us. We're worried about our success. We're worried about what's going to happen next. Can I protect my family from it? We're in a constant state of worry, and it's heavy, and it wears us out. After World War I, called the Great War, the land and air and sea conflict was so terrible. Over eight million soldiers were killed. I, I can't wrap my mind around that many people. And over 6.6 .6 million civilians, it was horrible. And after that, people labeled the 30s and going on the age of anxiety. In the 1940s, William Auden wrote a long poem by this name. It was called The Age of Anxiety, a Baroque Eclogue. And this was written, some people posit, about the time he was coming back to his Christian roots again. And now there are two quotes that I want to read you that I think are so applicable to our times. We would rather be ruined than changed. We would rather die in our dread than climb the cross of the moment and let our illusions die. Is this us? Would we rather be ruined than changed? Would we rather die in our dread? I'm telling you what, sometimes I'm going to sleep at night and I am about to go to sleep in dread and anxiety. And I have to be very purposeful to remember there is a loving elder brother who's right by my bed and will take those anxieties and knows the end from the beginning. Can we climb the cross of the moment? Can we meet that challenge with Jesus? Can we kneel at the cross of Jesus, let our illusions die, and embrace the way, the truth, and the light? 
As Auden writes in the same poem, we'll do the next slide, the world needs a wash and a week's rest. And so do we. This is now being labeled by some a new age of anxiety because the worst of the world is at our fingertips and we're constantly being given news, breaking news that breaks us. And there's no way to get away unless we are very, very purposeful. Satan doesn't need a literal war on our soil to terrorize us because he's got the battlefield of your mind. Jesus has a rest for us. He is offering it. He is longing. His hands are open wide. If you look at this next picture, I've always had this near my desk. I love it. He's saying, I'm here. I know it's dark where you are, but I've got light. Do you want it? Every day. Do you want it? Do you trust me? Do you want to live in this? The next slide is also um, one of my favorite quotes from that same chapter. Worry is blind and cannot discern the future, but Jesus knows the end from the beginning. In every difficulty, he has his way prepared to bring us relief. Our Heavenly Father has a thousand ways to provide for us of which we know nothing. We're like, I'm stuck. I can't see a way out. And he's like, I've got a thousand. What helps me remember this is hiking and looking at the clouds that are ever-changing in those mountains that I can't even, I can't know them all. There's not enough time in my lifetime. And I think, you know, he can probably handle my problems. Those who accept the one principle, this is really important, of making the service and honor of God supreme will find perplexities vanish in a plain path before their feet. It's the love of self that brings unrest. It's trying to find our own way. It's the things we won't give up and we're determined to carry we're determined to do that steal our peace and weigh us down. Wouldn't it be nice to have a plain path for our journey? Wouldn't it be nice to walk with someone who knows the way and will carry our backpack? I want to return as I'm closing to the story of my grandma Kenny again. She wasn't a saint, but you would never know to be around her what had happened to her in her life and what would continue to happen. She moved to a little town in Idaho, Bonners Ferry, and like a, a retirement village, her own little apartment, right across a little street from my Aunt Carol. There was a huge big oak in front of my Aunt Carol's house. And one night, uh, my grandma's granddaughter, great-granddaughter, was, is that true? I think granddaughter was driving with a friend who was drunk and they slammed into that great oak tree and her granddaughter was killed. Right across the street. Right in the house where her mother had that in her yard. And not too many years later, that little girl left without a mom also didn't have a dad because her dad was abusive. Happily, her grandma, so it was great grandma, took her in. 
and she's got children of her own and she's doing really well. And it wasn't all that long after that, there was a railroad, there is a railroad um, train track behind my aunt's house. And my grandma's best friend was carrying groceries and she was crossing the track. And she waited, you know, for this train, but then she stepped out this train, the noise of it covered the sound of this train. And that was the end of my grandma's best friend. My grandma wasn't a saint, and she kept her boundaries with my grandfather, but we prayed for him. He didn't come in and out of her life. But as we prayed, the Holy Spirit worked, and my grandmother, I mean, my grandfather and that other woman, who actually has a name, her name is Sue, came back to the church, and they got married. And on my grandfather's deathbed, his daughters and that other woman and my grandmother all sing hymns. Guys, that's grace. That's the grace of Jesus. And my grandfather said to her, you have no idea what this means to me. When my mother lay dying, my grandmother, she was in the hospital, colon cancer, and she had on the TV, um, the, it's a political scene where they were running for office. There's a name for that, there's a new president coming on, and she wanted, she was interested because she liked history and, you know, interested in politics and literature, played the piano. You know, she's a cultured woman. And um, the pastor came to visit her. And she said, will you just turn that off for a little bit? And let's just talk about Jesus. For all the baggage she could have carried, your grandmother sure travels through life lightly, my dad would say. And I think we know the reason. I think she took Jesus up on his invitation to let him carry her burdens and give her rest. I'm wondering if you'd be willing to read the next slide with me. This is what Kevin read so beautifully at the beginning. It was our spoken word. This is from Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded, can you read with me? I'll go slower. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not... Sin is heavy. Grief is heavy. Working for other people's approval is heavy. Worry is heavy. Anxiety is heavy. Bitterness and fear so heavy that Jesus never wanted you to carry them. So let's take Jesus up on his invitation. Let's throw off everything that hinders and run the race that's set before us.
like Jesus did. Let's do it with joy. It's day 35. Will you be ready for communion next Sabbath? Would you consider like writing yourself a note or putting a text message? Send it to yourself. Put a little alarm for Sunday, for Monday. I'm going to say, Jesus, what am I carrying? Or I'm just going to tell him, I'm ready. I'm going to try. I know some of it is a living grief. You're going to have to keep giving it. Today, I let you carry it again. Yesterday, I didn't. I hated it. Today, I'm going to try again. Communion and rest. Communion with God and other people. It's sweet. And it's peaceful. What's in your pack on this journey? Is it heavy? What will you let go of? And what will you share with a friend? Maybe an invitation to come and see and to come share your burden with Jesus. This road called life is long for many of us. The burdens are heavy, but we don't have to travel alone. And we don't have to travel heavy. We can travel light if we want. I want to leave you with these ancient words from the prophet Jeremiah. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls.